This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... For me, leading spiritually meant learning spiritually. I, like I had to... Those were always connected in my world. I, I couldn't lead if I couldn't learn. I couldn't teach what I didn't know. Thank you so much for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and I'm excited today to have a conversation with Pastor Christian about the first message of a new series here at Journey. For the next several weeks, we will be exploring the life of King Hezekiah and learn how we can walk with God with more intentionality. Pastor Christian, Kansas City is still celebrating the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory. I mean, we're going we're going to start the podcast off on a very deeply spiritual um, uh, subject. So how about them Chiefs, huh? Yeah, what are what are your reflections from the past week and and Super Bowl Fifty Four? Well, one, I I wish Mahomes would have started throwing it a little better before the fourth quarter. But I mean, that's that's I mean, like just as a as a football fan, we got into the fourth quarter and I thought, man, we're like we're only going to score ten points in the Super Bowl. Uh, and for them to come back is so fun. It's so good for the city. I, I was I was watching. Um, kind of the the pre prayed coverage right uh on wednesday um and i and I heard a newscaster say uh, not that it's deeply spiritual, but yeah you, know, you have spiritual moments. I heard a newscaster say you know it's it's good to have a city and a couple states and a country that's that's so divided right I mean they're voting on the on Trump's impeachment stuff on the same day. Um, and he said, you know, out here we got Democrats and Republicans standing next to each other. And we got, um, you know, people of all races and socioeconomic classes standing beside each other. And they've all kind of put everything aside to celebrate the chiefs. And as I was listening to him say that, I thought that's how it should be with Jesus. Like right. Jesus is so much better than the chiefs and Jesus is so much better than the Super Bowl. And I thought, man, if people can lay aside differences or if people, if people can have things that on a daily basis they're so passionate about that become secondary or third or fourth or fifth in the top of their mind, if they can, if they can put them away to celebrate anything, that's how Christians should be celebrating Jesus. He should raise above politics. He should raise above race. He should raise above socioeconomics. Um, man, when Jesus comes to town, the, the city should, should shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and people should celebrate Jesus just as much as they celebrate their Super Bowl champions. And I, I, I believe, I believe one day that's what heaven will be like. Um, every, every other thing in life, that used to seem so important will seem so secondary um, to King Jesus uh, strolling down the street one day in heaven. So I, I did have a, I did have kind of a, a deeply spiritual thought, even in the course of watching the uh, the chaos of Super Bowl week, Super Bowl win, um, Super Bowl parade, all all of those things. Well, it is an exciting time to live in Kansas City, even if you aren't a Chiefs fan. So I celebrated with everyone as well. So let's talk about Sunday's message because uh, it's really going to be a a great series for for people that hear it and listen to it and take it to heart. On Sunday, you point out that King Hezekiah is one of the most historically credible people in all of Scripture because of modern archaeological finds. I know that it, that's really important, but what's even more important is that King Hezekiah spiritually changed the trajectory, at least for a season, for for Judah. Can, can you speak to the individual that is listening right now who is trying so hard to change the spiritual trajectory of their, of their family? Uh, learning from Hezekiah, what can they begin to do immediately to help their cause? 
So the answer to this question is is really found um, in the message on February twenty third, okay, where we talk about some of the some of the real secrets yes. to the backbone of Hezekiah's faith. But I but I will start with the person that says I want to change the trajectory of my spiritual family. Uh, Hezekiah's father in law, right? His dad was the king, mm-hmm. uh, but his grandpa, uh, not his father in law, his grandpa, um, was a man named Zechariah who many historians believe was the high priest of Israel. Um, they believe that uh, his his dad, King Ahaz, married the high priest's daughter, probably as an act of superstition uh, for Ahaz, because he was not a godly man. He was an evil king. But the fact that Hezekiah's uh, grandpa uh, may have been, at the time, the most connected, most committed uh, man in Israel uh, spiritually, shows us that sometimes all that is needed for a family to really get on the right trajectory spiritually is one person who is just deeply committed and deeply connected to the things of God who will teach their children and who will teach their grandchildren and who will serve as an example and who will get in their ear and who will speak faith to them. We're going to talk about it in a few weeks, but not only did Hezekiah have Zechariah in his corner, he had Isaiah, the prophet, in his corner. He was really surrounded by spiritual people. So we talk about in this message getting in the Word of God, and Brandon, that is so crucial. Uh, Paul told Timothy that the Scriptures make you wise for salvation. So if all you have is a copy of God's Word, and an open heart. Uh, you can find everything you need spiritually. But the thing that can really turn the tra- trajectory of your life is a strong Christian role model, a strong Christian friend, a strong Christian mentor, a strong Christian accountability partner. That probably more than anything can change your life spiritually. And Hezekiah had that. He had a few people that he invited in, who he accepted their advice, who he leaned into their faith, and together a very small group uh, of people who were deeply committed spiritually, uh, they did. They they stood out then uh, as a generation uh, of revival, a generation that God touched in Israel. And through archaeology, they, they stand out today more than any other mm. generation in Israel. But it was because of their faith together. Uh, and leaning into who God was and what God promised, that that we celebrate them in this series and that we remember them in history. We've talked in the past about the importance of having a spiritual family. Whether our direct family is either following our God or following God or not, it's really important to have a spiritual family. Can you remind us again what that spiritual family may look like? Who 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 would that involve? Maybe a small group, uh, a group of people that you're you're friends with. Tell me a little bit more about that spiritual family. Yeah. So if we just look at it through the through the lens of Jesus and we look at his spiritual family, right? He he did have a small group. He had a small group of twelve. Inside that small group, he had it. It would be it would be. Sp- it would it would miss it spiritually to call it an accountability group, but he right. did have a he he had kind of a triad. He had a group of close friends, Peter, James, and John, who were a little closer than the rest. Uh, and these were people that served together, um, they learned together, they lived together, and then that that small group of three, what I would call that accountability group, uh, man, they cried together, they prayed together, um, they rebuked each other. Uh, together. They spoke faith into one another. Um, They let each other down, but then they forgave each other Mm. um, and kept going on together. I mean, these were people who who really lived the hard life together spiritually. They they did the hard things that it takes to make lifelong friendships. But I would say when you when you look at the life of Jesus, spiritual community is a is a group of ten to twelve people that you're living life with spiritually. But then it is a it's a really connected group of two or three or four mm. uh, who have just who have just devoted to hold each other up spiritually 
and do whatever it takes, whatever the consequences, whatever the hardships to help keep, to help each other keep moving spiritually. So important. Well, Pastor Christian, one of your goals for Sunday is to answer a key question about our spiritual epitaph. I love this. So candidly, I don't I don't really think about what I want written on my tombstone often. Undoubtedly, maybe you do. I, I'm not sure. Um, so tell us, what are you planning to put on your tombstone? So this is kind of a trick question, uh, because at this point in my life, I've told my wife, cremate me. Take yes. a third of my ashes to Hawaii because okay. uh, I want to be there forever. Spread them on the mountains, not in the water, because I don't want to get eaten by sharks, even in ash form. Um, <laughs> take a third to the mountains of Colorado. And as you ride the ski lift up, um, the Breck lifts, just scatter a little bit uh, there because my heart is so at peace there. And then take a little bit to Israel um, and spread them around the Sea of Galilee. So the, those have been my instructions. Uh, I told Danielle, my life insurance will buy you first class tickets to all those places. So enjoy. Um, have a blast. Cry a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, make, make sure it means something. But if I had a tombstone, if I had a plaque, mm-hmm. um, if they handed out certificates on the, on the bulletin at my funeral, uh, I would want said of me, what was said of Ezra and Ezra seven ten that he set his life to learn the law of the Lord, to do it and to teach it. I mean, that, that really is my, my passion in life. I love the scriptures. I love to learn the scriptures. I've learned if you apply the scriptures, the promises are real and you can trust them. And the more I've learned them, the more I've tried to live them, the more I want to teach them to other people, not so they know them and obey them, but so that they experience the promises that come from them. So, um, if they, if they put a little verse on the back of the, whatever they hand out at at my funeral deal, um, I, I hope it's that, that, that people know, Hey, Christian, man, he spent his life trying to learn the law of the Lord trying to do it and trying to teach it to other people. That's, that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I feel like I'm called to do. That's really good. Well, if we took a closer look at the Kings of Judah, it would be revealed that their lives were summed up by one of four realities that you mentioned on Sunday. Number one, they did what was right. Uh, Number two, they did not do what was right. Number three, they did evil. And number four, they did what was right. And then however, they did what was right. However, Pastor Christian, you stayed on Sunday that uh, sadly too many followers of Jesus have a however built into their commitment to and uh, to and obedience to the scriptures. So here's the question. Can you unpack for our podcast listeners why howevers are extremely dangerous for our spiritual legacy? Yeah. So legacy is the key word there. When you read about these kings uh, who did what was right, however, they did what was right, however, Mm -hmm. Their spiritual life really worked out okay for them, but it did not work out okay for the next generation because the generation, the gen, the generation after them, um, they, they start at your, at, at your worst day of faith, not your best day of faith. Wow. So if you, if you do what is right, however, um, the next generation says what is right is, is, is the, however, too, you throw all that in and that is the new spiritual standard. Hmm. Uh, and when the spiritual standard keeps lowering, which is what happened in, in Israel, you go from doing what is right to doing what is right. Um, however, you also do a little bit of this to, to doing all of this to doing evil. Uh, and, and that was the progression in Israel all the time. Hmm. Um, so, so mom and dads and grandmas and grandpas and husbands and wives and coaches and teachers and small group leaders and student ministry leaders and Sunday school teachers and children's ministry. Um, you have to realize if you live the, I do what is right. However, Hmm. the people you're leading see what is right 
um, with the however included, and they are jumping over the lowest bar spiritually in your life. They don't mm. see you on your best day, and they don't realize the howevers are really outliers. They just think that's what faithfulness mm. is. Um, and, and then they do all of that, plus they have their own howevers. Um, and, and, you know, uh, one of my professors in college, he used to always say when it comes to leading teenagers, um, you know, silence is, con- is consent. If you don't say it's wrong, it's right. That's just how teenagers think. If you don't, if you don't say it's wrong, then it's right. Um, silence is consent. I guess I can do this. Uh, and he said, whatever you do a little bit, they will do a lot. Mm. Um, so when it comes to, uh, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm on the golf course. Um, you know, and I, and I don't use foul language unless I'm on the golf course. I don't use foul language unless I'm watching the chiefs and Mahomes throws two picks in the third quarter. Mm. I, you know, I, I don't use foul language unless I'm watching the, you know, the Royals and Madison Bumgarner comes trotting out of the, the bullpen, right? What you do a little bit, they will do a lot. They will think, Oh, Christians use foul language, not once every now and then, but Christians use foul language. So, um, you know, in, in all the areas of life of spiritual leadership that I try to lead, I try to figure out which one of my howevers will kill someone else spiritually if it, if it becomes kind of the, the heartbeat of, of their faith. Uh, so the, the danger, uh, the most danger, so doing evil, that's spotted pretty easily, um, you know, not not walking with God, that's spotted pretty easily. The dangerous thing is to walk with God and to not walk with God a little bit. Because somebody who sees you walk with God will take all of it and say, that's what it looks like to live as a Christian. And then they'll reset the standard lower than Jesus has set the standard. That is so powerful, Pastor Christian. Um, as you Pre, as you shared your message for Sunday, and as I read it this morning, I, I was reminded of my great-grandfather who had an extreme passion for God's Word. Um, when we would visit on Thanksgiving, one of my favorite things was to go hold and touch his Bible that was on the end table next to his chair, and it was ragged. It was beaten up. It had been written in and highlighted. And when he passed away, he passed that down to to my father, who now has that um, copy of his his Bible. It's it's really important. It's powerful. Where did your passion for Scripture come from, and and who modeled daily Bible reading for you? Boy, so that's a that's a good question. So we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast. I you know I was challenged early in my faith life at Fellowship of Christian Athletes camps hmm. um, to you know to have kind of a spiritual huddle to to every day huddle up with Jesus and to, and to have a quiet time to read a little bit. Um, to pray a little bit, maybe to journal a little bit. Uh, I did Bible quizzing when I was in elementary school. And I think because I've always just been a, a knowledge geek, I love to learn. I, lo- I, I, at that point started loving learning the Bible mm-hmm. because it, it would allow me to stand out. I could get ribbons and I could get trophies, um, from, from what I learned. Uh, but I think when I, the greatest reason is when I was called into ministry, uh, and I reached out to some mentors of mine and said, I think God wants me to go into ministry. What do I need to do? Their answer was, you just need to, you need to start reading the Bible. Um, you know, and one of them told me, hey, uh, read the Bible, uh, start, start reading the New Testament. And when you're done, call me back. Um, and I read the New Testament like in two days and called them back and said, hey, what, what do I do? And they said, you know, I stayed up like all night. Um, and they said, read it again. Um, and for, for me, leading spiritually meant learning spiritually. I, like I had to, th- those were always connected in my world. I, I couldn't lead if I couldn't learn. I couldn't teach what I didn't know. 
so for me, I just I've always loved to learn, um, and I, I and I love the daily time of Bible reading and what I'm learning in my daily time and Bible reading, reading the Bible through for the twenty something time um, I see for the first time, like I said two weeks ago in my message, Exodus you know twelve eleven that you're supposed to eat the Passover in a hurry, ready for movement. Uh, yeah, I've read, you know, I've not only read and taught that story, read the Bible through more than 20 times. And for the first time that that verse jumps into my heart and mm. it's like it's like a new treasure uh, that was found. Um, I think the person that really taught me to, to read the Bible was Daniel's dad. Um, he was a pastor and he he allowed me um, to look at his Bible and to learn how he read his Bible, how he took notes, how he underlined things, how he transferred it to his journal. Um, he was the first person that I really watched every day kind of devour scripture to learn it. And I've carried a lot of principles that he taught me when I was 20 um, into into my Bible reading this morning um, in Leviticus chapter, you know, uh, I think five, Leviticus five, six and seven. Um, I got my pen. I got my study Bible. I got my journal. A lot of the things I've been doing since since I was 20, uh, I'm still doing is is I is I learn the Bible. Hmm. That reminds me as you mentioned that when we've talked about this before as well, our spiritual journey it is personal, but it's not private. It's personal, but it's not private. So as parents, man, if you're listening and you're a mom and a dad, your kids need to see you reading the Bible. It's personal, but it, it can't be private. One of the strongest things you can do for your child is to let them see you reading Scripture and then point out how you do it, right? Yeah, sh- show them the the notes in your, show them the underlines in your, show them the bookmarks in your, show them the Bible reading plans that you use model for them, but then reveal to them, yeah, the, the things of faith that you do from your, from your scripture to your prayer journals, to your memory verses. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta share, you gotta share all that. It's a, it's, it's learned. Uh, Christianity is much more caught than taught, mm-hmm. right? So you, you've got to help other people, uh, especially your kids, grandkids learn how to do and know how to do the things that you do. Spiritually. That's so good. Well, your message for Sunday is really a call for all Christians to return to God's Word. And in fact, there's a strong push uh, or a call in 2020 to be the year of the Bible. I, I, I recently saw a Fox News article on December 31st that Christian leaders have a vision for 2020 as the year of the Bible for millions around the world. The article actually stated that they believe reading of Scripture could unite the church in America and solve a lot of the issues plaguing this country. So beyond unifying the church, Pastor Christian, what else does daily Bible reading do for Christians corporately? I think it, I think it puts us... I think it it should put us on the same page spiritually, uh, spiritually. You know, I'll, I'll go a step beyond like James um, and say it's not enough to read the Bible. You have to obey the Bible. You have to believe the Bible. You have to act in faith in the difficult parts of Scripture um, that you that you don't understand. Sometimes that you don't even agree with. Uh, so reading the Bible is huge. Obeying the Bible is better. But I think when groups of Christians begin to read the Bible together. I think the things that are revealed often have to be uh, talked about relationally. They have to be taught. They have to be talked about in community, because really, community is is where you learn, where you apply, where you question, where your faith and your understanding and your knowledge is deepened. Uh, you know, I, I read a book two years ago. Um, started reading a book two years ago called Sixty Six Love Letters. Um, that was just a kind of a macro overview of the sixty six books of the Bible. And after getting through it, every, every time I would read a chapter. I would want to talk to somebody about it. Uh, one, to see if they agreed with it. Two, to see if they were hearing the same things that I heard. Um, three, to have some discussions, debates. 
maybe arguments um, about things that I heard, things I thought. Uh, and after reading it all the way through, I thought, I don't think I can process this book unless I read it with a group. So I got a group of 12 men that we spent all of 2019 once a month reading through it together. Uh, we'll meet in two weeks. We've got probably three more months to meet reading five chapters at a time uh, and wrestling through it. And what I've learned about that book, reading it in community versus what I learned reading it by myself. I mean, it's 10 to one, the things that I've learned reading in community and listening to what other people learn. And I think scripture is the same way. Um, you can read it by yourself. It will be deeply impactful, can be deeply transformational. But if you will read it as a community, you will discuss it, you'll debate it, you'll talk about it, um, you'll process it with one another. I think you have the ability to learn and apply and understand 10 times more than if you were reading it by yourself. So I, I really do believe, you know, not, not the church as a whole, but if even your small group or that really, uh, that accountability group of three or four uh, would read the Bible together in a year, uh, boy, I just think, I think a lot of things could be learned and understood and applied that would become deeply transformational that you'd never get just on your own. Well, Pastor Christian, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series and learning more from the life of Hezekiah. And we also want to thank you for listening today. We would love to encourage you to share this resource with your friends and your family. Help us get the word out about this incredible resource. You know, more and more individuals are listening to podcasts each and every day. It's growing every year. So let's encourage others to make this podcast one of their weekly downloads. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.